in San Francisco, there has been a long history of officer-involved shootings leading to no accountability whatsoever. That stops today. I'm Dominic Fercasa, and this is Fifth in Mission. You just heard San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin at a November 23rd press conference where he announced he's filed charges against a former police officer who shot and killed Keita O'Neill in 2017. Former San Francisco police officer Christopher Samayoa will face manslaughter charges for his role in O'Neill's killing. He's the first San Francisco officer in the modern history of the city to be charged with a crime following a deadly use of force. Here to unpack all of this for us is Rachel Swan, a Chronicle investigative reporter covering criminal justice. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Dominic. Thanks for having me. Rachel, this is a really important moment for the city and for also, you know, D.A. Chesabu Dean. Help us unpack this. Help us understand why this is such a big deal for San Francisco. Well, I mean, this is the context of this is that it's coming at what could be a moment of significant reform. We have several self-described prosecutors who are now um, serving as DAs throughout the Bay Area. Uh, Boudin is probably the the most of a standard bearer. Um, so there's really this this idea that um, you know we could, after many many years of um, law enforcement officers not not being charged when they kill people while on duty. The idea is, you know, this could change. And Boudin has um, promised to kind of level the playing field between police officers and everybody else. Tell us briefly, if you would, about the day when O'Neill was killed. So what, what precipitated all of this? So this was a uh, roughly three years ago, December 2017, um, O'Neill was a carjacking suspect. He was accused of uh, confronting a woman in Petro Hill. I believe she was like a lottery ticket seller, a lottery worker, um, pushing her to the ground, taking her car keys and running off with her van, or stealing her van, um, led police on a chase down Highway 101 in the Bayview um, where he got off um around the um Alice Griffith public housing complex um got out of the van uh left on foot and started running toward um a police car that was actually driven by an officer who was training um officers Chris Semayoa um on that day um, Semayo was had just started his training. He just graduated from the police academy, which kind of in a way makes this a, a somewhat bizarre story. Um, so as O'Neill was running towards his car, um, Semayo opens the path. He was sitting in the passenger seat. He opens the passenger side door, um, points a gun out the window and winds up shooting O'Neill in the head. You know, has there been, your story hasn't, it's been up now for, at the time of this recording, a couple of hours. What sort of discernible reaction have you seen uh, from law enforcement or from police reform advocates? How are people reacting to this, to this big day? It's, 
It's a little hard to tell on the social media verse. I know that um, one thing I have heard privately from some people is um, that the manslaughter charge, um, you know, considering the occasion is so momentous, the manslaughter charge struck some people as a little bit, um, I guess, light or, you know, like they kind of were expecting a murder charge. Um, I did speak with civil rights attorney, John Burris, who's uh, probably one of the attorneys representing um, O'Neill's family in a federal civil case. And, um, you know, he said he, he really praised the decision today, but also said that he would have liked to see a murder charge and he could see a murder charge perhaps being justified. And then, of course, you know, there's always... The other side where people say, hey, this was a man suspected of a carjacking. He was running towards a police officer. Aren't police police officers told to react this way in their training? You know, isn't this heavy handed on police? Um, Boudin himself is kind of a polarizing figure. So um, this was kind of the reaction I expected. But then there's a lot of people you know, praising him because this is really, you know, Gascon was supposed to be a progressive DA, but never charged a police officer. Well, and he just won in Los Angeles running to the left of the incumbent challenger, Jackie Lacey, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is an interesting wrinkle there. You know, Rachel, you, you mentioned some of the reaction that you've gotten, people thinking, you know, in some corners here that the manslaughter charges that the former officer is going to face uh, didn't go far enough, isn't, if you will, severe enough. I want to listen to this other bit of tape from the press conference today. So let's do that and come right back. I'm here to announce that earlier this morning, my office has filed homicide charges against former San Francisco Police Department officer Chris Samayoa for his December 2017 killing of Keita O'Neill. Okay, so if you hear there that Boudin says he filed homicide charges, but that's not terribly specific. Can, can you help us be a little bit more precise about what Chris uh, Samayoa has been charged with here? You mentioned manslaughter. Why is it that people think that that's not going far enough? So he's been charged with both mans- involuntary manslaughter and voluntary manslaughter. And f- forgive me, Dominic, I'm learning about these terms too as we go. Um, but you know, these are basically options that would be presented to a jury um, po- to, to possibly convict um, Semayoa. Um, and basically, um, the voluntary manslaughter um, is kind of, that would be kind of like, he acted in self-defense, but it was like an imperfect self-defense, like as in there was a perhaps unreasonable belief that he needed to use lethal force. And then the involuntary manslaughter is um, actually that he that he either acted lawfully, but very negligently, like disregarding O'Neill's life, or he committed a crime that would not have would not really have been lethal, except, you know, it it um, became lethal. So the example for that is, is, um, you know, Messerly, um, I believe in, in the shooting of Oscar Grant said that he thought he was using his taser, which 
would not have been lethal force except that he wound up using a gun. I mean, this, that was one of the defenses I believe he presented. Um, so yeah, I mean, he could have charged this officer with second degree murder, which would have been a much more aggressive charge. Um, Boudin has said that he, he committed in his campaign to, you know, show compassion to people and, and not, uh, not the way he puts it is not overcharge anyone. And he wants to extend that to police officers. He wants to treat them as any other type of defendant in both that he's going to be just as aggressive as, as he would be a, a regular civilian, but also just as uh, compassionate, if you will. We're going to take a quick break and come right back to talk more with Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan on Fifth and Mission after this. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. We're back on Fifth and Mission with Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan. So, Rachel, when we talk about the fact that this is the first time in modern San Francisco history that a police officer has been charged with a killing in the, in the use of deadly force, it sort of prompts an obvious question, and that is, why has it been such a hist- historically such a challenge to bring these types of criminal charges against police officers? I'm really glad you asked that question, Dominic. I mean, it's it's I'm finding out increasingly that it's just really complicated. Um, so one reason is police officers, um, historically have always controlled the investigations, you know, um, the police gather the evidence, they decide which witnesses wind up in the police report. Um, you know, I mean, even if, if the prosecutors are the one building the case, the police officers provide the ammunition, if you will, for that case, um, you know, also historically, district attorneys have kind of worked hand in glove with police officers um, and don't really see any, a lot of them wouldn't see any reason to threaten those relationships. Um, Boudin's office is a little different. I mean, he's been trying to really build up an independent investigations bureau where he would have um, attorneys come in and do the police investigation of the shooting, but that's been extremely complicated and challenging. Um, and he's also trying to, you know, put more people in his office who believe in his mission statement. Also, um, extremely challenging, um, to change the, the culture of these office offices. And, um, even the, the courts have created kind of a barrier because they've developed this concept of qualified immunity where, you know, if a police officer kills someone in the line of duty, then um, the officer is just usually given the benefit of the doubt. So I do think, Rachel, it's important to, you know, pause here and mention some recent changes to, to state law that have constricted the circumstances under which police officers can, you know, acceptably or, or legally uh, use deadly force uh, on the job. I mean, we've seen even to the surprise of, I think, a lot of people, uh, Nancy O'Malley, the district attorney in Alameda County, being one of the first, uh, uh, I believe, the second prosecutor in the state to make use of these newly changed state laws and charged uh, an officer in, in Alameda County. 
um, I believe in the death of Stephen Taylor. So I, I just am, I'm, I'm so I'm curious if you think that this this high barrier that we talked about for all of the reasons that you mentioned in the, in the complexity of these investigations, uh, it's 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 I know it's still early, but but do you see that thinking back to the the civil rights demonstrations and just the the crying out for reform in this in this in this space. I mean, do you think that we're set to see things change a little bit? Now we've got, you know, multiple prosecutors uh, sort of paving the way, if you will. Um, do, do you think that we're set to see things change in a, in a discernible way? Yeah, I mean, you know, the state law that you mentioned, um, Assembly Bill 392, um, I mean, it seems like it's it's not so much or the criticism i've read of it is is it's not so much a substantive change as um like more of almost more of a a symbolic change um but really you know what what seems to be more i mean what what it does is um it basically changes the standard so that um when prosecutor, prosecutors are evaluating a deadly use of force they consider like the sequence of events that led up to it rather than just the split second decision um also it it tightens the standard a bit so that, you know, the force has to be deemed necessary rather than just reasonable, like they can come up for it with a rationale for it. Um, but but really, you know, I mean, what you mentioned with O'Malley, her recent decision to charge manslaughter in the case of the the Stephen Taylor, the shooting of Stephen Taylor in a Walmart um, earlier this year. I mean, that that was really consequential and I think surprised a lot of people. O'Malley is someone who um, is widely has widely been perceived as a more moderate district attorney. Um, and yet she's kind of the one leading the charge on a lot of these things, you know, and I mean, her decision to do that and then reopen the case, the 2009 case of Oscar Grant to, to possibly even charge some of the other officers who were on the scene um, in the Oscar Grant killing. Um, those have been hugely consequential and, and um, seem to set a precedent in the Bay Area. Well, Rachel Swan, Chronicle staff writer, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon. I really appreciate it, Dominic. Thanks for talking. Our thanks again to Rachel for speaking with us today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, And of course, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Fifth Admission.